I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you here with us again. If you're listening for the first time, welcome to the show. We hope you like it. And uh, if you really enjoy what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show and uh, join us every Friday for new episodes. Uh, today, we are going to be finishing up our story of Roanoke. And uh, we left on a little bit of a cliffhanger there. Um, Roanoke is uh, one of the great American mysteries. <clears throat> We're not really sure what happened to the settlers who are on Roanoke Island, but we have some ideas. And today we're going to dive into some of those theories of where they went or uh, if they were all massacred. Yes, indeedy, Gary. And uh, last week um, uh, we discovered that there was um, something about the unexpected uh, death of George Howe that made everyone in the Roanoke Island colony want to move 50 miles inland, mm. uh, which is in the not in the same direction as Croatan, which we had uh, mentioned last uh, last week. We learned that they insisted that their governor, John White, return immediately to England for further assistance, and they agreed on a secret message system that would allow White on his return to find them and let him know if they were in any kind of distress. He promised to return in three months. It takes him three years, and that is where our story left off. Now, this colony arrived here in 1587, so without a doubt, they were the first English colony in America, in North America. There were 117 people of them uh, altogether, seven, uh, 117 people, and they were sent by none other than Sir Walter Raleigh. This was his business venture. Now, Gary, let's start off with finding out who some of these people were that arrived here in North America to populate England's first colony. They had a charter from Sir Walter Raleigh, and they were relatively influential people, not London slum people. You wouldn't oh. expect London slum people uh, oh. in a business adventure financed by Sir Walter. Oh, of course one, not. One of the Queen's Knights. So uh, they weren't London slum people. There was John Jones. He was a, a physician. Well, a, a doctor in the New World would be a great uh, thing to have in the colony. Sure. I can understand that. There was William Brown. He was a goldsmith. There was Anthony Cage. He was a sheriff. Maybe mm -hmm. they looked to him to provide security for the colony. There was Thomas Harris, who was a member of the faculty at Cambridge University. Really? So they had a, you know, uh, an educator. And Richard Wildeye, a graduate of Oxford. So they certainly had some highly educated people. Uh, among their group but they also had uh, just uh, to be fair about this they also had a few uh, convicted criminals among the group uh, but their uh, crimes were relatively minor they had been convicted of theft oh and i imagine they were taken along because of some of their handy skills they might have had maybe they were wood woodworkers maybe they were farmers or you know some of the skills you would need to uh, have a successful colony so i would imagine they were people of that nature. So yeah. what would make <laughs> such people leave everything behind in England 
and embark on a perilous journey and settle in an unknown wilderness with no easy return to the homeland, Gary? I think that's an excellent question. Well, I don't think a lot of people know that Sir Walter Raleigh was having problems attracting people to invest in Virginia, much less to actually go there and live there. So very few people, unless you're a serious scholar, knew that Raleigh was even having difficulty getting money behind his venture. Oh. Investments to, to have this go in the first place. People just looked at it as too risky, like maybe penny stocks today, you know? Yeah, yeah, Investing yeah. Investing in penny stocks today. So not only did he have a hard time getting people lined up to actually go, but he couldn't uh, get the uh, backers, the, the money backers uh, for it either. It was very difficult. So we have to look at the possibility that the colonists may have left because of their religion. Uh, they may have been, Gary, what, we, uh, what were called separatists. This was a, a Protestant religious sect that was unwelcome there in England or in Catholic Spain for that matter. So, in fact, if they had been detected in North America by a Spanish military expedition, the Spaniards most likely would have attempted to wipe them out. Now, how were they different than, let's say, the Puritans? Okay, the separatists, uh, they had views that were quite different from the Anglican uh, Church, which was the official Church of England. And I don't know all the details, but uh, basically I can assure you uh, that they were religious outcasts. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the Puritans left England because they mm -hmm. had their mm -hmm. own way of doing what they were going to do. Right, right. And so... Were the separatists and the Puritans the same, or were they... They probably were different, but and they were probably both outcasts, and so religion probably was the primary motivation for both of those groups to come over here. That would explain why they'd be willing to go through, uh, you know, the unknown terrors of an ocean voyage at that time and settle in a brand new world and leave home behind. Uh, oh, of course. Religion. religion would be an overpowering reason to do so. So that's why we're leaning toward that being the reason for the uh, colonists of Roanoke. That makes sense to me. And uh, the reason why they may have chosen John White as their governor, because he certainly wasn't a politician, he certainly wasn't a knight, he certainly wasn't anybody uh, you know, uh, significant there in England, but he may have been the leader of their congregation. John White may have been their pastor, their preacher, oh. the leader of the congregation. That would explain why they wanted him to be in charge of the colony. Now, this colony included 11 children, so we know that there were lots of families among this group. Yeah, there were. And since no one wanted to go populate the New World, Sir Walter Raleigh welcomed these religious outcasts with open arms. That doesn't mean that his political enemies, however, weren't above sabotaging the colony. So I'm leaning toward the idea that uh, John White was the leader of a separatist congregation, and it was religion that was their primary motivation for coming over to settle the New World, they were under the protection of Sir Walter Raleigh, but uh, at the Queen's Court, he had a number of very powerful enemies, and we have to look at the possibility that maybe they might have tried to sabotage the colony. So as we delve into this, it may turn from a story about missing people 
to a murder investigation. We'll have to see. So hold on. So you're telling me that the whole, all the stories about the aliens abducting people from Roanoke aren't true? <laughs> yeah, I don't think the aliens said anything. Oh, to darn. Do <laughs> Let me go ahead and mark that off. Yeah. So uh, now we also may have a reason, Gary, of why everyone wanted John White to return to England almost immediately after arriving. That's not as much of a mystery as you may think. Uh, the colonists soon discovered that they had landed in the wrong place. Oh. They so. never intended to land on Roanoke Island. Okay. Uh, when they left England, they were under the impression that they were setting out for the much more calm, safer shores of Chesapeake Bay, oh. a little to the north of Roanoke Island. And that was their destination. That was where they were to establish their colony. Instead, they end up 100 miles south of that in very dangerous shoals, Roanoke Island, where, uh, you know, a couple of years before they arrived, the English had a military, a small military fort. See, that's so, why it, it pays to have a GPS. Yeah, well, they had a ship's captain who was very experienced and knew what he was doing, so most historians don't believe he landed there by accident. Now. Oh, well, is that, what is that supposed to mean? Well, and later on in our narrative here, we'll see what you make of that. But they realized that there was a danger at landing in the wrong place. How could future supply ships ever find them? Future supply ch uh, ships would go to Chesapeake Bay. Right, because that's where they had that's intended where they were to supposed go. To have been. Now, the ship's captain says... Eh, it's too late in the year to sail to the right landing place. Everyone has to stay where they are. Ooh. Oh. Not only does he land them in the wrong place, he refuses to take them to the right place, strike number two against Captain Fernandez. Mm. Now, if they were a group of religious outcasts, they couldn't simply hope that resupply ships would come to them rather than uh, their official destination. So they believed that John White, probably believed that John White was the only one who could return home and make things right with Sir Walter Raleigh's company. Now, all the while these discussions were going on about their dilemma, then George Howe was brutally murdered. Remember those 16 arrows they found in him? I remember that while he was crabbing. Mm -hmm. And then he was clubbed besides. Uh, their original destination, Chesapeake uh, Bay, uh, included friendly Indians. Well, on Roanoke Island, the natives seemed to be both hostile and brutal. Uh, that, that didn't turn out well. No. So what the colonists didn't know is that these Roanoke Island Indians originally did welcome the first white English settlers a couple years earlier. Uh-oh, so then what, what happened to make them so angry? Oh, uh, you're starting to get the picture here. Uh-oh. <clears throat> what our lost colonists didn't know is that the small military force that England landed there uh, a few years uh, earlier was headed by an army captain that acted like a madman. What did he do? What did he do? He destroyed the natives' food stores. He forced them to endure starvation. They were crippled by debilitating epidemics that uh, the white man brought over. The soldiers savagely attacked their towns without provocation. They captured an Indian chief, held his son hostage, and the uh, co uh, commander brutalized the natives with intimidation, threats, deceit, murder, and he beheaded a tribal leader. He reduced the what? Indians' world to shambles. 
and eventually abandoned the fort, returned to England, leaving a royal mess behind, and that's what our colonists walked into. Well, I think they were justified in being angry. That sounds like a really horrible deal. Yep, and so you can imagine uh, how they were stirred up when a couple years later, or less than a year later, here comes a group wanting to colonize. Oh, no, that would still be fresh in their mind. Who wants to go through that for a second time? So uh, these once friendly Indians now wanted nothing more to do with the white man. And can you blame them? I cannot blame them. So when the natives discovered George Howe fishing on their land a couple years later, they knew what to do. 16 arrows and a clubbing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the colonists had no idea of this recent history in the area. But when George Howe's body was discovered, they did realize that they were in far more danger than anyone had imagined. Mm Mm-hmm. So John White was dispatched back to England to make things right before anyone else died. Now, we don't know if John White's original ship captain, Captain Fernandez, was out to purposely sabotage the expedition for some reason. He was a highly competent seaman, so he didn't land there at Roanoke Island by mistake. And then he refused to take the colonists on to Chesapeake Bay, where they were supposed to have gone. So, you know, was he out to to purposely sabotage Sir Walter Raleigh's colony? Was he in cahoots with Raleigh's political enemies? Maybe so, but Gary, there's no easy answer to this. There never is. Now, at one point in his career, he was a pirate, and we know that pirates were not known to have many moral scruples. Acquisition of wealth was very important to them. So here's a fact about Captain Fernandez that makes no sense He was an official assistant for the colony. What does that mean? That means he was one of the investors. Oh. If this colony failed, he would lose his investment. He was one of Raleigh's investors. He had a financial interest in its success. So why would he purposely sabotage it? Well, it couldn't be like, I was going to say like insurance fraud, could it? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's going to be one of the mysteries of history because, you know, all of his actions shout out sabotage, sabotage, sabotage. Uh But if that colony failed, as it did, Captain Fernandez would lose his investment, lose his money. And trust me, pirates were not in the business of losing their money. No, they weren't. So we don't know the answer to that. Uh, Our listeners can go ahead and maybe come to their own conclusion or research this in in greater depth and see what else can be found out. So in any event, John White's numerous rescue attempts rescued in failure over the next three years. In fact, guess what, Gary? One of the attempts he made to come back uh, to the colony, he was attacked by French pirates. Oh, no, (laughs) come on. And and they stole all the supplies, killed the ship's captain, and sent him back to England with nothing. (laughs) Can I say something? I I would never have wanted to have been a settler in the early days of American history. I I mean, you just did not have a chance. And if if you didn't know what was going on, you could end up being the victim of somebody else's problem that they started long before you even got there. Yeah, there was no newspaper, television, or telegraph, or telephone to clue you in as to what was going on before Mm -hmm. you arrived or when you arrived. And so... Mm -hmm. um, You know, uh, so uh, he had to go ahead, start from scratch, and uh, 
try and outfit another supply ship. Now, I thought this was interesting, Gary. I found out what those supply ships usually carried. They may have had some live animals for the meat and eggs, but they also had this. They had salt, pork, and beef, Mm. oatmeal, rice, butter, honey, cheese, currants, raisins, prunes, beans, peas, oil and vinegar, turnips, parsnips needs, radishes, carrots, cucumbers, cabbage, lettuce, and endive, onions, and garlic, thyme, mustard, and fennel. Wow. I mean, that, that sounds Enough to start good. a garden, huh? I, well, I mean, it just sounds like a really good menu right there. But yeah. <laughs> here's the thing, though. They were on those boats for weeks or months traveling across the uh, Atlantic. Oh, well, yeah. weeks yeah. traveling across the Atlantic. Yeah. How is all that supposed to survive? Because, I mean, when you think of some of those vegetations, mm-hmm. you know, I, in the refrigerator, yeah, carrots only last for maybe a few weeks yeah, uh, before they yeah. go, a, a week, I'll say a week, before they start getting a little bit nasty and get that weird gooey stuff on them. Um, so I couldn't imagine them being on a boat and trying to keep them Yet these folks, these folks were highly innovative and clever, and they were able to do it mm-hmm. somehow. That would be another... Yeah. Uh, topic to, uh, to research that would be fascinating well i think they, it probably comes down to like pickling it you know they probably mm-hmm. pickled a lot of the stuff i know beef beef and pork and this was even during the western times mm-hmm. if you put it in salt mm-hmm. salt it kills bacteria and keeps it until you can use it and they may well have uh, used salt uh, substantially in their process oh without a doubt yeah. I, I don't doubt that at all I, i'm yeah. pretty sure they did so uh we're going to the year 1590 now. It's three years since the colony first arrived on Roanoke Island, three years since John White left his friends and family behind, his daughter, his granddaughter, and he's finally, finally able to return. And interestingly enough, once again, it's on a pirate ship. A lot of piracy going on back then. <laughs> a lot of piracy going on. Now, all he finds are those letters C-R-O. Uh, last week, I might have mentioned by mistake C-R-A. It's C-R-O carved in a tree, nothing else, no trace of anyone. So he returns to England with a broken heart. And strangely, this is strange, three years after that, in 1593, he totally vanishes in thin air. We have no more record of him whatsoever. No written record, no nothing, nothing in Walter Raleigh's company records, nothing. He just totally disappears from the face of the earth three years after his 1590 rescue mission. John White himself, uh, himself is gone from history, vanished. Wow. We have nothing that would lead us to an answer to what happened to him or when he finally died. Now, let's fast forward to the next century, 1607. Okay. That's uh, 20, let me see, that's uh, 10, 10, 17 years after his rescue attempt. Another group, another company called the London Company, sent, uh, this one didn't belong to Sir Walter Raleigh, this was someone else, sent an expedition under Sir Christopher Newport here to Virginia And this one actually succeeded in reaching Chesapeake Bay, where the Roanoke colonists were supposed to have gone. And guess what? This colony succeeded. They established the settlement of Jamestown, the first permanent English settlement in the New World, and Jamestown exists to this day. Uh, So historians are concluding that the lost colony of 1587 
may have been deliberately sabotaged with the settlers left for dead Ooh. by Sir Walter Raleigh's powerful political enemies. And whether or not the ship's captain, Captain Fernandez, was one of those or not, we don't know. He certainly, all of his behavior and, and decisions certainly suggest that he did plenty to sabotage these people. Oh, yeah. So it, it to me, is a case of murder, not missing persons. Nevertheless, we want to know, where did they end up? What happened to them? You yes. have any idea? Uh, I don't know. I have no I I have no idea where they could have gone. <laughs> Canada? <laughs> well, here's that would have been a long walk. Uh, <clears throat> but here's the evidence we have, Gary. They weren't killed on Roanoke Island. Oh, so are you saying that they were killed? They were not killed on Roanoke Island. Oh, but they were killed somewhere else. Maybe. John White discovered that they evacuated the settlement in an orderly and complete manner in 1590. Everything was methodically removed. They left a message carved in a tree indicating where they were going and that they were not in distress. And before White left them to seek help, they agreed that they would attempt to move 50 miles inland. If anything changed, they would signal their new destination with the message carved in a tree. If they were in danger or distress, they would also carve a cross in the tree. So when he discovered the tree with the letter C-R-O carved in it, he knew that it was a signal that at least part of the group was headed in a new direction, not 50 miles west, but north toward Chesapeake Bay. Oh, they wanted to try and get to where they were originally supposed to be. Yeah, so part of the group went 50 miles inland west. Part of the group most likely uh, split up and headed north toward the original Chesapeake Bay destination. Now, why would the group split up? Well, White assumed that perhaps his daughter and baby, along with the other woman with the baby and perhaps a few of the men, headed for Croatan to await his return and then lead him to the main party inland. Okay. So most likely the fate of the interior group is linked to several small warring Indian tribes. So some of them may have been killed, Gary. Some may have died of starvation or by accident or by disease, and some may have been made slaves by one or more of those warring tribes, and some may actually have been adopted by some of those tribes. So their fate is probably a mishmash of a variety. A little bit of everything. Yeah. So let's go ahead now and go to the end of the 1600s. In 1669, it's more than 80 years later, the Reverend Morgan Jones is a Welsh cleric, cleric from, uh, you know, uh, Wales. Right. He's taken prisoner by a band of Tuscarora Indians in an area where the main body of the lost colonists had headed. Right. He and his five companions were informed they were about to die. Ooh. He starts wailing in his native language, which was Welsh. Oh, my Lord. A visiting warrior chieftain hears him and responds to him, Gary, in Welsh. Oh. Well, he's astounded. An American Indian native speaking Welsh here in the New World. The Indian then arranges to ransom him and his group. They re remain together for months and he delivers sermons to that group in Welsh 
which the group understood. And here's the kicker. Some of John Waite's, White's lost colonists happened to have been Welsh. So that's the only way they would have known. That's the only way they would have known. Wow. So some of those colonists ended up with a friendly Indian tribe, which developed part of their language and learned to speak in Welsh. And this was discovered 80 years later by descendants, wow. by descendants of the original folks. In 1671, shortly before this, the first Englishmen officially to reach the Blue Ridge Mountains way to the west in Virginia, yeah. they discovered several trees with initials carved in them, M.A. and N.J. Two of the lost colonists were named Morris Allen mm-hmm. and Nicholas Johnson, M.A. and N.J. Uh, Meanwhile, John Lawson travels to the area of Croatan and meets several Indians with gray eyes, and they tell him that they have several white ancestors, and they seem to have a familiarity with the English language, and they're also inclined to be very friendly and helpful. So we have Indians speaking Welsh. We have the initials of two of the lost colonists carved in trees way out west among the Tuscarora, and we have people in Croatan, Indians, with gray eyes claiming to have several white ancestors. This was back in the late 1600s. Wow. So I guess, it, like what you said, this is a mix mash of things that happened to that group. It's not like they just up and disappeared off the I, face of the earth. I, Their fate was... I think we pretty much know... A blend of events. In general, what happened to them. Not specifically, but in <clears> general. So after 400 years, I think part of the mystery may have been solved. Much of the story will never be able to be told. And whether or not the ship's captain was involved in sabotage or whether or not there really was sabotage, uh, that remains to be seen. I believe there was sabotage. I'm not sure about yes. the captain because I can't believe he would blow away his financial investment. So that's, that's hard for me to fathom. But uh, I'm convinced that uh, some of these settlers made it yes. and had children and grandchildren and so forth. And to this day... Uh, there are people in those areas with the blood of the, Aringla, uh, of the original English colonists from Roanoke. The rest of it will just be a mystery. Yes. Oh, that yes. was that's a, that right there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That right there is an incredible story. And until next time. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And that truly was an incredible story. 